the prominent personage. The star of this section was the prominent personage. Gogol's characterization of him made me laugh out loud countless times. Now, bear with me as I engage in that impossible task of trying to dissect humor without killing it. First, there is the sheer fact of repeatedly referring to him as the prominent personage, as if echoing narratively the prominent personage's own desire to be known as prominent. Doing so smacks of satire, of course, as if the narrator is calling him that with a wink. I have an acquaintance who finds a way to mention in every conversation that he once had a famous roommate. To protect the innocent, I'll change the celebrity in question to Surfer Kelly Slater. If this acquaintance comes up in conversation with my family, I often say, you mean Kelly Slater's roommate? It's my equivalent of calling him the prominent personage. There's a formula here for making fun of pretension. Funnier still, in the context of this story, is that for a time we could assume that the narrator simply doesn't know or doesn't recall the prominent personage's name. He's been forgetful about many things. But then his actual name is mentioned in passing. Quote, The conversation had been interspersed for some time with very long pauses, during which they merely slapped each other on the leg and said, You'd think so, Ivan Abramovich. Just so, Stepan Varlamovich. Unquote. I think there's another layer of humor still in the fact that we don't even know which of these two names is his. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that he is self-declaredly prominent. Much of the rest of the humor comes from revealing how unimportant this prominent personage actually is, and how hard he tries to keep up appearances of importance. When he is, at first, matter-of-factly introduced as the prominent personage, we could take the description as sincere. But it is quickly revealed to us that the prominent personage had but recently become a prominent personage, having up to that time been only an insignificant person. There are so many layers of humor in that sentence, and it takes more delicacy than I have to peel them back. But it's in the repetition of prominent personage, the idea of a counterpart category of insignificant persons, and the notion that a quick migration from one category to the other is possible. Moreover, we are told, quote, his present position was not considered prominent in comparison with others still more so. But there is always a circle of people to whom what is insignificant in the eyes of others is important enough, unquote. So he's not that prominent. He's just found a small crowd in which he can claim superiority. Then, he employs sundry devices for increasing his air of importance. He finds every opportunity he can for saying, How dare you? Do you know whom you are speaking to? And do you realize who is standing before you? Even when the sentiment doesn't exactly fit. Condescension is not even really a sentiment he feels, but an art he rehearses. Quote, on perceiving Akaki Akakievich's modest mien and his worn uniform, he turned abruptly to him and said, "'What do you want?' in a curt, hard voice, which he had practiced in his room in private and before the looking-glass for a whole week before being raised to his present rank." Unquote. It's certainly not an art he has perfected. One attempt we witness was especially and hilariously off-key, when he says to Akaki, quote, 
What impudence towards their chiefs and superiors has spread among the young generation? Unquote. And then the narrator dryly comments, quote, The prominent personage apparently had not observed that Akaki Akakievich was already in the neighborhood of 50. Unquote. We get the sense that he just throws around these practiced expressions of superiority, oblivious to whether they even apply. After he berates Akaki, sends him abruptly away, and later learns that he is dead, we are told that the prominent personage suffers a moment of remorse. But the final phrase tells us how deep the sentiment runs. Quote, and when it was reported to him that Akaki Akakievich had died suddenly of fever, he was startled, hearkened to the reproaches of his conscience, and was out of sorts for the whole day. Unquote. There is unequivocal satire in saying that a person's guilt over possibly bringing about someone's death put them in a bad mood for a whole day. The sentiment turns out to be nothing that some stimulating company and a few glasses of champagne couldn't cure. The image of him reenacting his conversational successes was darkly funny in a way I found more dark than funny. Quote, Fully satisfied, he recalled all the gay features of the evening just passed and all the mots which had made the little circle laugh. Many of them he repeated in a low voice and found them quite as funny as before, so it is not surprising that he should laugh heartily at them. Unquote. It is a scene that emphasizes just how pathologically and pathetically consumed he is with self-image. I liked getting in a good laugh at him when we see how cowardly he is when he confronts the apparition, and how superficial the impression of his manliness has been. Quote, Brave as he was in the office and in the presence of inferiors generally, and although, at the sight of his manly form and appearance, everyone said, Ugh, how much character he has! At this crisis, like many possessed of an heroic exterior, experienced such terror that not without cause he began to fear an attack of illness. Unquote. Why is, ugh, how much character he has, such a funny formulation? I'm not sure, but we all know people who make such superficial proclamations that we roll our eyes at because we know better. Honestly, I'd consider this whole story worthwhile just for the characterization of the prominent personage. I'm left with timeless images of pretension, and I laughed heartily throughout his time in the spotlight. <laughs>